0: Welcome to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every episode, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. I'm very excited uh, today to welcome to the show Rob Day. He is the VP of Marketing for Jack's Abbey Craft Lagers, they have recently kicked off their Oktoberfest week, couple of weeks here um, at the brewery. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Oktoberfest uh, as this is kicking uh, kicked off uh, September 22nd. Um, and for those of you who are maybe not too familiar, uh, this is an annual festival in Munich, Germany. It's held over kind of a two week period ending on the first Sunday in October. The festival originated October 12th, 1810, in celebration of the marriage of the Crown Prince of Bavaria. Um, And it has grown massively over the years uh, to include a lot of different uh, aspects of celebrating um, beer and beverage and community and um, ruckusness. (laughs) Uh, And there are a lot of different ways that uh, we also celebrate in the U.S. Uh, So we figured we would take a moment to talk a little bit about that subject um, and how it is translated here in one of the most prestigious uh, breweries in the U.S. So Rob, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today.
1: Absolutely! What a perfect intro. Uh, I think we're done now. That is everything <laughs> people need to know about Oktoberfest. <laughs> that, that was absolutely perfect. I'm very happy to be here. This is one of our favorite topics. So let's get into it.
0: Awesome. So before we dive too deep, I want people to know a little bit about you. If you could maybe give us a little bit of background and you know your path um, into beer and and working with uh, what you do exactly with uh, with Jack's Abbey Craft Loggers.
1: Yeah, of course. So I am currently the VP of Marketing here at Jacks Abbey, and I've been here a little over four years. But I've I've known the the brewery and the founders uh, since their inception uh, twelve years ago now. Mm-hmm. A lifelong craft beer fan uh, from first discovery in college. Uh, I was the the weirdo drinking Stone arrogant bastard ale while my friends <laughs> had court light. Um, so it caught me really early in my adult drinking career, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back then there there weren't a lot of marketing jobs in craft beer. It was kind of getting started and it was all new and exciting and people didn't think they needed too much marketing. So kind of knocked on the doors for about a decade before crossing over with a different brewery in 2017 and joined Jack's Abbey to run the marketing in 2019. So I've always been into this category. I love beer. Beer's exciting. It's fun. It's Mm -hmm. one of the world's greatest affordable luxuries. We always talk that uh, you can get some of the best beers in the world for five or six bucks. And there is no other category that can say that. So we all come together around beer and that's perfect example of why Oktoberfest is so special.
0: I really love that. One of the world's most affordable luxuries. That's such a that's such a perfect quote to uh, to it's describe so true.
1: it. I'm not the first to say it. I won't be the last. <laughs> um, you know, dozens of people, and we just we really believe that because you know, it, I don't know, it's it's the people's drink, right?
0: Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And if you don't mind uh, giving our listeners a little background on Jack's Abbey Craftloggers um, and and why and sound as biased as you want, right? Why? <laughs> Why this is a really significant brewery in in the craft beer world?
1: Sure, I am wildly biased, so I'm going to lean in hard. Do it. <laughs> uh, we, the brewery is just over twelve years old. We celebrated our anniversary this summer, mm-hmm. which in craft beer terms is ancient. Yes. Um, around that time, just for context, there were probably thirty breweries across the entire state of Massachusetts, we're approaching three hundred now, I believe. Mm-hmm. About 1,500 nationwide, we are approaching 10,000. So you can kind of see the scale of change in just over a decade. So it's hard to say in terms of the whole timeline of things that 12 years is so long, but it's a significant part of our industry. Mm-hmm. So you could put them in that sort of pioneer of this exponential growth phase. And it was founded by three brothers, the Hendlers, Jack, Sam, and Eric. They are fully uh, involved today, right through this week. I mean, we will be at the brewery every day for Oktoberfest activities, tapping casts together, sharing pints, and just really trying to be part of the moment. Mm-hmm. And they are 100% owners, too. So we are a family business uh, through and through. And what makes us sort of unique is we are a lager only brewery. There are a few more around now. I have not found any that have opened prior to us. So I keep looking. If there's a listener who knows one before 2011 that is fully logger only, let me know, because I'm on the hunt, but I haven't found any examples yet. So to stick to a particular niche for so long, I think makes us very special. I also think it makes us experts in the category. And I don't say that lightly. We're not a braggadocious group by any means, a very humble organization typically, but you said to be biased. So I'm going it. forward. Um, be proud. <laughs> it's 12 years of only making loggers and they are technical and they are difficult. And it's the sum of a thousand small decisions that makes a logger good, better, or great.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I believe over that time of just making that style, they've really perfected how to do it. And, you know, I'm not sure they're ever satisfied fully with a batch, like, Oh, I could tweak this temperature one degree next time. And (laughs) it might be a little bit better. Um, But that really has been a pinnacle of the brewery is trying to strive for that perfect uh, lager and make it every day, make it a little bit better. And I really love that, that we can focus on it because it is, hard to make. It's easy to enjoy. Everyone thinks of lagers like these crisp, light beers, and they are. What goes into making one so good is very technical, very difficult, and our ability to focus on that, I think, helps make some of the best products out there. Uh, It's also, you know, this year is a special honor for two reasons. Uh, Jack is actually writing the book on Lager to be published early next year by the Brews Association. So that is a major nod to to his expertise and our team's uh, knowledge and ability. And we really are excited to see that come together and be sort of a real big showpiece for how much we care about Lager and how much we understand the category. And all of these things together really culminated with uh, a lot of respect. Uh, we talked about Brian uh, Stefan and the collaboration with them, which we'll get into a little bit more, but it took five years of friendship and them seeing our dedication to quality, process, details to come up with this. It wasn't sort of a serendipitous, oh, let's have some fun and make a beer moment. Uh, so that's all what makes us special. And we're really happy to see some of these projects come to life that really support that.
0: Amazing. And listeners, I want you to know, getting somebody to work for a craft brewery to actually kind of brag about what they do is impossibly hard. (laughs) So thank you for actually, (laughs) actually, you know, taking the bow that is deserved because, and we have said this on the show multiple times, making a lager, there's nothing to hide behind right? There's no super, super high ABV for the most part. There's no crazy amounts of, you know, additives and hops, you know, and it's a very, very technical process. And we have done some definitely some deep dives into the production of lager and why it is so technical and why it is so challenging. So to create products at that level with such a consistency um, is really, really impressive. So definitely uh definitely a worthy product so shifting into talking about Oktoberfest um you all have had an Oktoberfest celebration uh with your brewery why have you I mean obviously it's partly because you're you know a lager production facility but from a culture standpoint why why latch on to this celebration? I think a lot of times when you see Oktoberfest, uh, you know, promotions and things like that, it is kind of the bastardized version without, you know, a better, a better phrase, right? A bastardized version, a commercial version of the celebration. You know, I think you all really get to the crux of um, embracing the traditions and, you know, tapping the casks and Mm -hmm. and things like that. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about why you have the celebration and what you do that kind of makes it feel, um, authentic and, and, and true to the story?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a huge lead in, Um, for us, in our brewery making lagers obviously is going to be a nod to German heritage, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Jack actually studied brewing uh, in Germany and he spends minimum two weeks traveling breweries across Germany every single year. No. That sort of knowledge and experience comes straight back to the brewery. So when he finishes a trip, he's back with new idea that, that one degree tweak I was talking about, like those type of ideas come from, from those tours, so he's steeped in the brewing culture and tradition of Germany. Our team joins him on various trips, so there's a real strong crossover between what we're doing here and what is traditional in Germany for these style of beers. Lager was discovered by by uh, Stefan, actually the the yeast and the process. Uh, it was you know commercialized by by them as well, but uh, that sort of style of making beer it had a lot of heritage to it people were kind of doing it one way didn't really know but they actually were able to isolate the the yeast strain that makes lager lager versus ale ale mm-hmm. and that's what everything is built on so it's impossible not to nod to german culture and heritage when making lagers and for us uh once we're in that circle and we have that respect for the community oktoberfest is the biggest celebration um What a lot of people don't realize is Oktoberfest is in Munich only. Mm
0: -hmm. They,
1: other celebrations across the area, um, depending on where you're traveling, there's Volksfests and other festivals. So there's tons of celebration around beer that looks very similar, but Oktoberfest itself is uh, held in Munich, Germany for about a two week period every year and you mentioned sort of the bastardized commercial version <laughs> it is a huge money maker for germany too um yeah the tourism the money that flows through uh there is a joke about uh, how many australians go to germany and drink way too much during oktoberfest um, but there are some traditions that are built into what makes oktoberfest oktoberfest and then there's some weird stuff Americans have done with it, too. We try to avoid all of uh, sort of the weird, kitschy things. But what makes some of our events sort of true to form, stein hoisting is a major one. A lot of people participate in that. That's a great tradition that's made its way over. We pour all of our beers throughout Oktoberfest in half liter and full liter steins. So you have that ability to sort of you know cheers and hold that glassware and something really traditional. The steins we use are actually made in Germany and sent over, so all of our steins in our brewery and the ones we share with the market during this time and celebration are all German steins, really putting a nod towards that. And we try to do all of the key moments, like the cask tapping that you mentioned. So Mm -hmm. to tip off each year, uh, we bring out the gravity cask and tap that for the crowd. It's a fun moment a few steins off of that and we we do it uh typically to start each weekend in germany they would only do it really to start the whole festival and they'd have dignitaries it's a it's a pretty remarkable moment we do it uh each weekend because we we tend to service uh, two different audiences over the weekend so we want to make it sort of a fun moment Uh, we've added some, uh, elements that maybe aren't as traditional, but are are sometimes done. We do a keg toss, which we started a couple of years ago, um, which has just been a phenomenal event for us. That'll actually be this coming Saturday. So that makes it a really special moment that we get to throw kegs and, uh, you know, compete in a different feat of strength rather than just Stein hoisting.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. The, uh, as for Stein Hoisting itself, we get to host the state championship in Massachusetts with the U.S. Stein Hoisting uh, Association. This year will be on a Sunday, October 1st. So people are competing throughout the state in qualifying rounds, and they all come to Jackson Abbey to celebrate that final moment and compete for state championship, which is really special.
0: Amazing. And and just for listeners who maybe are not familiar with what Stein hosting, Hoisting is, is the traditional Bavarian straight, strength contest to so see you can hold yes. up that one liter... Uh, Stein um, for the longest amount of time.
1: Yeah, and something else I should just quickly mention, uh, I I glanced really over this, but for me, Oktoberfest is is beer's moment. And obviously, this is a great beer audience in your podcast, but all year you're competing against everything else. Uh, You know, summer has so many different beverages, so many different choices. Winter, same thing. Oktoberfest is a beer event. There's no real Oktoberfest seltzer. There's no Oktoberfest (laughs) cider. There's no Oktoberfest cocktail. Oktoberfest is all about beer. So if you want to celebrate this moment, beer is the beverage of choice and it's really our moment to shine and make perfect Oktoberfest style beers and enjoy them.
0: A hundred percent. And if we could dive into a little bit on the Oktoberfest style of beer, uh, that that you all produce, um, and more specifically, the collaboration that you did yeah. with Wine Stefan, Um, and you know, kind of what that what that looked like and how that how that took shape.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so Oktoberfest beers tend to go in two different styles. There's your very very traditional fest beer. Uh, it's a golden lager, very crisp. Uh, you get great biscuit malt. And uh, the Meritsons have really moved in as another type of beer that has become very Oktoberfest-centric. A lot of us make that type of style more. Ours, uh, Copper Legend, is sort of a hybrid. We want to have some of the bigger, maltier, toffee notes that come from a Meritson, but we lighten it up a bit and try to keep it in that crisper style, The collaboration beer is a true Fest beer style. So this is going to be lower ABV and very much more in that golden realm. We call it Fest of Both Worlds for a lot of reasons. Um, We, as two breweries who have mutual respect for the product and the process, we were thinking like, oh, what are we going to make? What are we going to make? And the Fest beer style was immediately the choice. It was, hey, we both love this style, of course, Brian Stefan makes just an incredible golden fest beer, and everyone should drink that beer as well. <laughs> uh, we've got these modernized techniques to do different types of of fest beers and hoppy beers. And when we were talking about the process and the project, something interesting about them collaborating is this is really their only opportunity to step out of the box the you know traditions of a thousand-year-old brewery are not easy to break so (laughs) when they brew in germany they are very strict rules and processes they can't really you know flex any creative muscle on it um we are the third collaboration ever for the brewery in the united states sam adams was first sierra nevada was second and we are the third to work with them and when they do a project, they they do want to flex a little bit of creative muscle. So once we landed on that style, what we decided to do is okay, if we take the traditional long lagering process, decoction mashing, we do horizontal lagering, we use the, the perfected malt bill for a fest beer. What we can play with is the hop choices and the hopping method. And that's really where we dialed in to make this beer unique and stand out. So we're using two uh, Pacific Northwest American hops that are of noble derivative. So it's sort of as if we, you know, took the new age version of the noble hops from Germany, and then we applied that to the beer uh, traditionally and through a cool, pro- cool pool process. <laughs> it's hard to say, um, and that gets you these incredible different flavors. It's really unique in that if you drink the beer without uh, any access to another beer next to it, you're like, wow, damn, that's that's a good fest beer. And you're like, okay, great. If you have a traditional fest beer or even Copper Legend next to this product, mm-hmm. you're going to start tasting these fruity notes from the hops. And it's a really nice surprise to dig into that. you get these light citrus and pineapple notes and really you have to contrast it to get to that point because when you just drink in the beer, everything is working so harmoniously that you're like, all right, this is a damn good fest beer and <laughs> digging in a little bit more. You're like, wow, there is a lot of flavors coming off of this that I wouldn't have expected.
0: No, that sounds, ah, that sounds so cool. I'm, I'm like dying to have a glass right, <laughs> <me> right now. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit more. I, I want I want listeners to understand how rigid um, the 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 brewing rules that um, Weinstein needs to follow, especially uh, for the beer that's served in Oktoberfest. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to speak too much on their behalf, but yeah. the the idea of uh, their beers, obviously, having discovered the the lager yeast in the early uh, part of the century. This is a long running process that does not change. The amount of hops, the temperature it is brewed, the time it lagers, the time, the horizontal tanks, uh, the mashing process, the exact malt use, nothing changes year to year. It is dialed in to their per- perfected taste. And if anything were off even by a degree, they would throw the whole batch out. Mm-hmm. And is that strict? It will only be noble hops. It will only be uh, local Pilsner and Munich malts. This is very, very strict to how they brew. And that's why, you know, when I when I talk about cool pooling and something that might be more common in, in the U.S. market, especially with our obsession with IPAs,
0: mm-hmm. uh, that
1: is a wild step out of the realm for them. <laughs> Just where the hops are applied. It's like, no, you don't do that, but we do for this. Um, of course, we're using a Sterling and a Dina hops, and that part, um, they would never, never make a, a German Fest beer. So, this is really how we get to step out of the box. And just as I mentioned, five years in the making, um, Matthias, the global brand ambassador for Steffen, uh, first visit us about five years ago when he was on a US trip, had some extra time, and his group said, Hey, you want to see a lager brewery? Um, <laughs> And he was just in shock that we were already doing so many of the traditional things, natural carbonation, uh, the, we talked about decoction, mashing, horizontal lagering. It was like, oh, this is, this is special. And it it started the seed of a friendship on those back and forth trips that gave them the confidence that we could brew within the traditional realm Mm
0: -hmm. and that
1: the experimentation we took with it would also be acceptable.
0: And A little more explanation into that experimental side. Um, Could you speak to the cool pool method um, and why that is significant for um, capturing uh, and releasing aromas for the the hop additives?
1: Of course, yeah. So I think you have a great beer audience. Depending on where, when, and how you add hops, you get different flavor and aroma compounds from the process. So the earlier you add them, the hotter it is, the more bitter, roughly speaking. The later, the cooler it is, the more floral and citrus and fruit flavors you'll get. So cool pooling is done way after uh, the boil process. And it sort of allows big fruit flavors to come out of the hops, aromas as well. And it doesn't really add any bitterness, which, of course, for a crisp, dry, light, golden fest beer, bitterness would really sort of be off-putting. So to be able to use these new age hops that might have higher alpha acids that might end up contributing to bitterness, using them in the cool pool brings out more of those fruit flavors that I was talking about before without adding that bitterness, which is really, really cool for this beer.
0: That's amazing. And- Is this, is this your first year doing this collaboration or have you done this previously?
1: This is the first and only year. So if there is any of it left, go buy it now because it is (laughs) not coming back. It is a once in a lifetime opportunity in every sense of the word.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Definitely need to, definitely need to try to seek some of that out. Um, yeah so the collaboration process with wine stefan you know especially with a brewery that has so much tradition they clearly have their systems really down i'm always fascinated to know what the collaboration process looked like as far as you know what was the method did did somebody come and and join you on like a brew day or or were there you know different kind of samples sent back and forth or what, what how did it come to be
1: Yeah, that part was interesting for us, too, because American collaborations are so simple. Someone shows up, you drink some beers and you make a beer. (laughs) Um, It was not that. So after all the back and forth, uh, about a year ago, possibly a year and a half ago, uh, there was sort of a sit down meeting in Germany where they were like, let's actually do this. Let's do a beer. Um, We understand each other. We should do this. Uh, And their team got on board and got excited. And that really set it in motion. And from that point, the discussion started to lay out, okay, what would the beer look like? How would we do it? Which led into the early part of this year where we had dialed into what type of beer we'd make, how we'd make it. And we were going to tackle all of that here in the brewery mm-hmm. and come for the first trial batch and help us triangulate it. So we created three batches in, we probably had to brew that. I would have guessed March to have it ready for May. Um, And a key part of that process and the timing is we are using uh, their original yeast strain that was pulled out of the archive. So they had to secure the yeast, ship it frozen. It was this whole process to get us uh, the right yeast to get going. We brewed three batches again in March and had them come and help us triangulate in May. We sat down, went through all three, talked about what we liked, didn't like, direction. And it was one of the rare times where about 15, 20 people in beer all agreed on exactly which direction to go. Was that Get
0: out? So I'm, I'm, <laughs> this never happens.
1: I I am not bragging on this moment. We two of us hardly ever agree exactly. exactly. Um, and 15 people sipped three samples and said that one and change it this way. And wow. It, You look around a room of people and you see that all the heads nodding, the smiles start like, all right, we're here. So we knew exactly in May what had to be done from that point, put that down and uh, went to work on getting everything set up. They didn't actually taste the final product until Jack and team went over to Volksfest in Germany for the beginning of the celebration of this collaboration. So they brought packs of it and jumped on a plane about six people went over brought it to the lab, taste tested it with all of them. You can see that in some of the videos we've produced over the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the first tasting and testing of the product, celebrating Volksfest over here. And then a small gap in between and their team came over and, and joined us for a counter celebration uh, just a couple of weeks ago here in the States.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So yeah, first off, I mean, to have, to have an entire room like that just I- instantly agree is, is, is like impossible. historical. <laughs> I hope you had somebody, you know, <laughs> filming or documenting it or something like oh, that. Man. <laughs> and then, you know, and to your point, this is so fascinating to hear the process because, you know, it, it's so different when you collaborate, you know, with a brewery, you know, even, even in a different state, you know, yeah. there's, it's, everyone just kind of gets together maybe drinks a little too much beer makes a beer you know and then that's <laughs> then
1: that's it hey, you get it <laughs> um
0: so wow yeah no this is this is really amazing that this has that this has come to be um well i'm i'm very excited um that you have that you've launched this i'm i'm going to scour the shelves to try to get a hold of some and do a side by side tasting with copper legend uh for sure because I wanna definitely you know, kind of see that uh, difference and, and experience that. Um, anything this year um, that you're particularly excited about for this um, Oktoberfest celebration?
1: Everything, just excited Everything. for Oktoberfest. Uh, you, if your listeners are listening carefully, my voice is already a little bit shot because we're in the <laughs> middle of it. Um, we we do so much. Uh, our, this is our first year of doing two weeks and matching uh, sort of the Munich schedule. Mm-hmm. So we're in the thick of that here at the brewery. But we even lead that. You can see a calendar of events out in the market. We're We're out every day this month, practically, sometimes twice a day. It's such an exciting time. Uh, If you are a beer fan, find an Oktoberfest. This is, like I said earlier, kind of beer's moment to shine. And this style of beer matched with this weather is sort of a a perfect moment, Um, at least for the Northeasterners. I, I can't speak to the weather around the country, but it's wet here. It turned cold a little bit early. And when you sit down with a perfect stein of Oktoberfest beer, you can't help but smile just a little bit and We are so excited to celebrate Oktoberfest as we are every year, but coming off of the collaboration and going right into two weeks of Oktoberfest here at the brewery, along with what we're doing out in the market as a whole, is just wildly exciting for me. It'll keep us busy, and I might have to sleep the entire month of October to recover.
0: (laughs) It was well worth it. It's definitely well worth (laughs) it. I agree. I agree. Um, well, so listeners, if you have the opportunity, if you're, if you're in the Massachusetts area, um, or even anywhere in the Northeast, it's very easy to get there. Just drive or take a train or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, the
1: train goes right by. The train goes right by. Yeah, you can, it's two minute walk from the train stop. A lot of people come in that way.
0: Oh, amazing. Okay. So there's no excuse um (laughs) definitely uh swing by if you have an opportunity check out the beer if you have a chance i am so excited uh to hear about this publication um through the brewers association about loggers uh publishing uh, launching next year you said right
1: yeah it should be in april i believe according to their publication schedule um i'm i'm excited to see it myself i think the, the writing and editing are wrapping up now so Early next year should be April. The, the book will be coming out.
0: Amazing. Okay, so definitely check that out. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for for taking the time today. I, I know it's an insanely busy time for you, so yeah. I, greatly, I greatly appreciate it.
1: Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. And whenever we're talking Oktoberfest, doesn't matter how busy we are, we are excited. If you can see me, there's a smile on my face still.
0: <laughs> well, it's the happiest time in beer. So- <laughs> there we go. Listeners, this has been another episode of Beer Me. Please uh, reach out if you have any questions, comments, concerns at Beer Me Radio on Instagram. We are available anywhere you get podcasts. So please like, subscribe, give all the stars. Uh, For those of you who are maybe not familiar, uh, about a year ago, we joined the All About Beer podcast network. There are a lot of other breweries under that umbrella that definitely check out Drink Beer, Think Beer with John Hall, Beer Travelers. Uh, by Andy Crouch, Brewer to Brewer, um, as well as the All About Beer podcast that was established in 1979. So there's a lot of really rich and exciting uh, beer information to check out. Uh, So please go to allaboutbeer.com, subscribe, and we will catch you next time. Cheers.